In every story, there's a hero and a villain. And in your story, you're both. All of the bright aspects and dark aspects of yourself orchestrate your song. A song that you need to hear first before anyone else. But in order to hear the song, you have to learn how to listen. You have to learn how to listen to not only what you want, but what you're afraid of. Your fear and your darkness are not separate from you. Face them, analyze them, internalize them. The shadow is always there, and the shadow will always be there. Now the shadow can look big, or the shadow can look small, depending on the angle that the light is refracting from it. What is the size of your shadow? I'm going to play two clips. Each are approximately, one I think is 12 minutes and one is 14 minutes. Uh, the first clip that you're going to hear is, is pretty exceptional. The, this guy really, really breaks it down. His YouTube channel, he has a YouTube channel. It's Quintessential Mind. And that's, as I said, that's going to be like 14 minutes. And then the second clip I'm playing is going to be, let's take a look here. The second clip is from YouTube and it's Bandit Rats. So this is one of those episodes that I highly recommend like at the end of it, if it hits you, if it doesn't hit you at all and it's, you ain't feeling it, you know, then obviously, you know, just keep going. But if this speaks to you and it hits you, which I'm sure if you have, you know, spark of intelligence in your brain, it's going to hit you. I recommend that you listen to this episode a couple of times. There's, it's, it's extremely dense. And another thing that I kind of just caught light of because I've known about Carl Jung, but there's a book that he put out. It's called The Red Book. Uh, and it's uh, I'm, I'm looking into getting it. It's kind of expensive. And I actually found a website. I'm going to probably put that link. It's like a PDF where you could flip through the whole book. So you really don't have to buy the book. It's I think it's 404 pages. So I'm going to put that link in the description uh, of this podcast so you can flip through the pages and see all of the archetypes and, and the artwork. And again, the, the, the genius of Jung is he was able to integrate so many different things. And, uh, a couple, a couple of the concepts before I play these clips that I want to get into myself, you know, is that it's so important to integrate that shadow because really, I don't want to use the word infinite potential, but it's a com cohesion or completeness of light and darkness. It's like that yin and yang. People have this concept when they hear darkness, it's like, oh, it's evil or whatever. There's truth to that, but it's not necessarily all truth because what it is is balance. Light could not exist with darkness and darkness could not exist with light. You know, it's just the way it is. The peculiar thing about it though is that a darkness can never encompass light, but one candle can illuminate infinite darkness, right? But that darkness is still there and, and that is the fear of the self, the fear of the unknown and all of these things that we have within us. Because if you look within yourself, there's going to be things inside of you that are going to su surprise you and you're going to want to blot it out and, and, and say, no, that's not me. Or I can't think that way. And that's, that's the way we were created. That's just the way it is. But, and this is my own speculation, but the way I'm seeing it is that the shadow is our lower animal self. You know, our like, animal instincts you know and such where we just look for survival you know like if 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 you can't overcome it you kill it you know like that type of mentality so another word that's really important that goes along with this is and i'm seeing a whole lot of it today and that is cognitive dissonance and what that dictates what cognitive dissonance means is that 
let's say, um, you know, let's say you have, uh, you know, you talk to a father and you say, hey, I saw your son the other day buying heroin or he's on oxys or whatever like that. And the father's saying, what do you mean, my son? You know, there's, there's no way that could happen. What he just did was created a cognitive dissonance because he doesn't want to hear that and he wants to tuck that away because if, if he feels he's able to tuck that away, then it doesn't exist, which is retarded and which is, can be really, really hurtful. Essentially, what ends up happening is if you ignore the shadow, what ends up happening is a lot of people end up projecting the fears that they have in the shadow and they end up projecting those fears onto external things like people groups or whatever so you're gonna feel like you know there's there's some entities within your shadow that you're afraid of and 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 under the surface it's there and you and you know it's there but you're not facing it so what you do is you externalize and project those fears on like as i said onto another group and what do you do you attack that group you go after that group you go to kill that group shut them down or whatever not realizing that it's your own inability to deal with your own shadow. The first thing that you have to do is look, face it, face your shadow and integrate it and have an understanding of what it is. You're not going to break it all down and everything like that, but just face it and look at it for what it is. And then you move forward from there. This is, this stuff is really not easy. This stuff gets, it's really deep, but a lot of uh, people in their adulthood or young adulthood, as they go into their life, they, they face tremendous challenges because look at look look at this whole uh, politically correct thing that we have going on right now, and uh, a lot of it is people are just afraid to face their own fears. One, two, I highly, highly, and I'm gonna say highly recommend everybody check out Dave Chappelle's new special on Netflix. However, you can, if you have Netflix or whatever, and it's called Sticks and Stones. This is so much more than just a comedy special or just a stand-up comedy special for, uh, on Netflix. This thing is paradigm shifting because it's going to accomplish two things. Actually, three things. One, it's putting all of the comedians out there on notice right now that this politically correct speech thing is shit and it's dead. And it's and that, that shit isn't funny. Chappelle was just cracking up the audience. So it puts all of the comedians on notice. Two, he's shattering the myth of all of this bullshit because once people hear what he's speaking of, you know, his routines, it's actually, he's actually shattering the myth with comedy, right? And then the third thing, third thing he's achieving is he's making us laugh at ourselves. He's, he's a comedic genius, you know? So I'm going to play these two clips here real quick, and I wish you really get edified from it. Don't listen to this passively, man. You have to like, whatever you're doing, man, kind of put it down and, and give this a good listen because this this is not, a, this is some heavy content. This, this is 20,000 pound content, man, that you got to pay close attention to. And, uh, and I'd be willing to bet a lot of people when they first hear it, they're going to hear some little nuggets and seeds of knowledge in there, but they're not quite, not germinating. Go back and play it again and listen again. So I'm going to play these couple of clips real quick. And I'm going to play my closeout at the end, and I want to thank you for listening. Namaste. Carl Gustav Jung was one of the most important psychologists of the previous century. He's also one of my biggest influencers, since he's one of the few that have attempted to bridge the notions of psychology and spirituality in an effort to discover ways to transcend the human condition. Jung has traveled a lot to India and immersed himself in different spiritual practices. His work was constantly evolving and it was this evolution that produced comprehensive analysis of concepts like the ego, the shadow, the archetypes, and the anima and animus. Especially the shadow has always been an intriguing topic among people and with regards to it, Jung has stated, 
The shadow is a moral problem that challenges the whole ego personality, for no one can become conscious of the shadow without considerable moral effort. To become conscious of it involves recognizing the dark aspects of the personality as present and real. This act is the essential condition for any kind of self-knowledge. The use of the word shadow wasn't chosen unintentionally. Jung was always good at portraying complex ideas in an assimilable visual manner. He used mental imagery in order to create anchors with concepts already familiar to human cognition. The shadow is dark and elusive. It is impossible to catch. Its size can alter depending on your position in space and is ubiquitous whenever light is present. Ergo, one can form a somewhat basic understanding of the concept without the need to delve into arcane terms. Another crucial thing to ponder is that the shadow itself, due to the darkness that it forms and due to the distance that it creates from the physical body of a person, becomes something not so many people are eager to confront. And this is one of the major ideas associated with the Jungian shadow. Although we usually see the shadow as an integral part of our existence, most of us are willfully blind to this existence. Our dark side is concealed or camouflaged in a painful attempt to protect an image that fits the narrative that we decide to espouse. Through social conditioning, we come to construct a facade that can keep the substrate of our constructed identity stable so that we can keep feeling safe. Safety, however, is ill-defined in that space we inhabit. How can one feel safe when there is so much unknown territory out there that can at any given point in time convulse the foundations of our fragile constitution? A person is as free as their mind allows, and if the mind creates barriers between the reality of the person and the reality of the rest of the world, delusion and neurosis could take over. When you see people operate in a state of enforced ignorance that attempts to preserve a certain status quo, then the shadow can only grow bigger. Enforced ignorance entitles the shadow to take over since the individual is incapable of controlling it because he or she is not even aware of its existence. We can't control what we don't understand. Every aspect of one's unconscious identity that cannot metamorphose into conscious judgment will perpetually impede one's progress, for it is creating a fantastic world that cannot synchronize with the frequencies of the real world. In such a landscape, the real world, or at least whatever we can understand of it, becomes an egotistical battleground that leads to collision and madness. That is not how our perception should meet. The world should be a forum for dialogue and constant experimentation, where we strive to refine the moral imperatives that could alleviate our suffering. Everything beyond that should be viewed with skepticism. If that seems poignant to some people, that is clearly because the shadow element hasn't been dealt with effectively. This includes animalistic needs, primitive instincts, sexual desires, traumatic experiences and also positive aspects of one's character that may also remain hidden in one's shadow. Regardless of the idiosyncratic nature of one's shadow, the process of assimilation has always been universal and it is represented by the following sequence. Evidently, assimilation can't occur if the stages of encounter and merger don't take place first. That is certainly a heroic act, for the angst and tale in the process is immense. There is nothing scarier than facing the deepest realms of ourself, but there is also nothing more rewarding than that. Assimilation is a lengthy process that demands mainly psychotherapy, but also hours of introspection and constant reevaluation and recalibration of personal behaviors and beliefs. 
Our cerebral makeup is quite plastic, but its plasticity is predicated upon our ability to showcase discipline and tenacity. We can't just expect a divine force to rescue us from our suffering, with our only chance for redemption and catharsis. The shadow has a challenging nature, therefore the process of assimilation requires one to ask oneself some challenging questions. Most of you have heard of the story of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. The infamous phrase is inspired by the book Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, written by the Scottish author Robert Louis Stevenson in 1886. In it, he describes the life of a man who transforms between two personae, Dr. Henry Jekyll and Mr. Edward Hyde. The story was so powerful and it resonated with so many people that it entered the vernacular and whenever we encounter characters with an unpredictably dual nature, we almost immediately recall the story of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Most of us can cite events from our lives where our actions and our intent didn't really align. We behaved as if we were different people. That's a result of a plethora of factors that can affect our behavior and can result in lack of congruency in what we think, feel and do. Social conditioning, latent desires, mental fatigue and many more reasons can come to mind. The truth, however, is that our ability to fight them is within our control. There are times in my life where I feel that I will go crazy due to over-analysis of certain happenstances in my paradigm. I'm not sure how to deal with specific scenarios and more often than not, I tend to question the reality of those scenarios. My perception might be prone to certain biases and prejudices and cloud my judgment, so I tend to question the basis of every claim that I make. Despite how awkward this process might seem, it is a process that can yield tremendous benefits in one's journey to assimilate the shadow. Your shadow, due to its dark nature, is constantly forming a cloud over your judgment. This cloud can never disappear, but it can certainly abate through meticulous introspection and cultivation of wisdom. By some strange technological and philosophical osmosis, we can create a universal moral framework that can be accepted by every soul on this planet. This might sound ambitious, but trust me, it's not. Humans have always found ways to coexist and respect each other because the notion of coexistence is central to our survival. Our evolution has created countless iterations of our species, but our bedrock is more or less the same. What does not allow us to behave constantly in a respectful and mutually beneficial way is the shadow. When the shadow takes over, any discussion for a universal moral framework cannot find fruitful ground. We negotiate and debate and exchange verbal tantrums in an attempt to defend our point of view and our position in the dominance hierarchy of society. Some people do that in a more ethical way and in order to defend goodness, but most just keep perpetuating banal attitudes and approaches. And it is this banality and triviality of existence that needs to be dealt with in order to identify what is morally good. Actually, it is the combination of that and the ability to showcase common sense in the face of trivial matters. With common sense, the discovery of a solution to most of our problems could be accelerated dramatically. Life might be an amalgamation of complex instances, but our cognitive apparatus is more than capable of making sense of them. All it takes is to offer clarity to our judgment and common sense is the imperative in that respect especially when it comes to orienting ourselves towards what is morally good. 
Dr. Jordan Peterson likes to promulgate that life is struggle and that unless you don't voluntarily accept this as a fact, struggle will keep manifesting itself in every facet of your existence. Life is suffering. Right. Indisputable. What do you do about that? You, you voluntarily accept it and then strive to overcome the suffering that's a consequence of that. I like this idea a lot because it reminds me how important clarity is when it comes to the betterment of our living conditions. In order to ameliorate something, you need to understand its mechanics. Maybe something isn't working well because a part that comprises the whole is actually malfunctioning. When we break down the whole in parts and fastidiously examine these parts, we can discover details about systems that are usually obscure. Then we can go back to the system itself and look at how what we discovered can improve the performance of the system as a whole. A bottom-up approach is always more effective and usually more meritocratic, thus empowering the parts to work synergistically for a common cause. Clarity manifests itself that way. When you allow the part to discover all its nuances and all its capabilities, you end up with a reinforced version of it that can offer more to the whole. Humans operate like that and the dawn of the internet made that idea more vivid. We experience a collective awakening that can perhaps lead to a collective enlightenment. Information becomes widely accessible and we can improve our error-correcting mechanisms just by asking and gathering as many views as possible. That right here is the essence of clarity and its only obstacle is the shadow. A person who clings to outdated and ill-defined views will only reinforce the shadow and stagnate in a swamp of confusion. Incessant knowledge-seeking is the name of the game, a game we should all prepare to play. I want to conclude this video essay with a passage from the Red Book, probably Carl Jung's most important work. Be silent and listen. Have you recognized your madness and do you admit it? Have you noticed that all your foundations are completely mired in madness? Do you not want to recognize your madness and welcome it in a friendly manner? You wanted to accept everything, so accept madness too. Let the light of your madness shine and it will suddenly dawn on you. Madness is not to be despised and not to be feared, but instead you should give it life. If you want to find paths, you should also not spurn madness since it makes up such a great part of your nature. Be glad that you can recognize it, for you will thus avoid becoming its victim. Madness is a special form of the spirit and clings to all teachings and philosophies, but even more to a daily life, since life itself is full of craziness and, at bottom, utterly logical. Man strives toward reason only so that he can make rules for himself. Life itself has no rules. That is its mystery and its unknown law. What you call knowledge is an attempt to impose something comprehensible on life. There is not much to say after you read those words, only that there is so much madness in life, but there is also so much truth in madness. Hi everyone, the creation of this video allowed me to express myself in a way that illuminates the struggles of my inner world. And I truly believe that most of you could resonate with my views. Asking yourself questions like, how often do I question the nature of my reality, or how do I orient myself towards what is morally good, or how do I offer clarity to every facet of my existence, is definitely a strenuous act, but also a rewarding one.
shadow, one could say, is simply the dark area produced by some object coming between rays of light in a surface. But for someone like Carl Jung, the shadow signifies a far more literary personification. The shadow is perceived as an entity of its own that is welded and chained within the realm of our deep unconscious mind, a dark specter that we all possess, but also one too frightening for many people to ever build the courage to face. A specter that can never be defeated, but if tamed, can lead to personal cultivation and the evolution of the mind and body. But what is the shadow? According to Jung, the shadow possesses the most inferior characteristics of the psyche that all men try to relinquish. The shadow might be a desire frowned upon by our conscience or peers. It could be a bizarre or unhealthy interest that the powers of civilization have apparently quelled. Shadow contents involve known and unknown aspects of the self, making the ego, the unconscious, and the environment all play a role in its expression or repression. When confronted by the ego, the largely unconscious shadow can be integrated into the consciousness. But for the most part, the shadow lies beyond the threshold of human awareness. It is quite within the possibility for a man to recognize the relative evil of his nature, but it is a rare and shattering experience for him to gaze into the face of absolute evil. It is a frightening thought that man also has a shadow side to him, consisting not just of little weaknesses and foibles, but of a positively demonic dynamism. The individual seldom knows anything of this. To him, as an individual, it is incredible that he should ever in any circumstances go beyond himself. But let these harmless creatures form a mass, and there emerges a raging monster. And each individual is only one tiny cell in the monster's body, so that for better or worse, he must accompany it on its bloody rampages and even assist it to the utmost. Young also stresses the importance of externalizing shadow material through socially acceptable channels to bring its inherent darkness to light. The ego is able to integrate rather than repress unpleasant unconscious impulses. When merely repressed, the shadow finds a way through the cracks of the psyche and jumps out in disturbing ways. Given that every human being has a wide variety and range of traits, impulses, and emotions, every individual by necessity has a shadow. Some of these characteristics are repressed and hidden, both to oneself and to others. To oneself so that one can navigate through life with the conviction that one is a holy, good, and virtuous human being. And to others so that one can fit and succeed socially. Unfortunately, there can be no doubt that man is, on the whole, less good than he imagines himself or wants to be. Everyone carries a shadow, and the less it is embodied in the individual's conscious life, the blacker and denser it is. At all counts, it forms an unconscious snag, thwarting our most well-meant intentions. When one's shadow is relegated to the depths of the unconscious, it can wreak havoc on one's life in the sense that it will exert unconscious control over one's thoughts, emotions, choices, and actions. As Jung said, that which we do not bring to consciousness appears in our lives as fate. This accounts for the self-destructive behavior so many individuals struggle with and are unable to control despite consciously knowing they would be better off not engaging in such actions. The task in life which thus confronts everyone, according to Jung, is to become conscious of and integrate one's shadow into one's conscious personality, accepting it with open arms not as an abhorrent aspect of one's life, but as a necessary and vital part of one's being.
One does not become enlightened by imagining figures of light, but by making the darkness conscious. The concept of the shadow has been both championed and critiqued among opposing perspectives. Most theologians say we cannot solely rely on ourselves and the limited power of the ego to deal with the shadow. Instead, we must call on the power of God to overcome evil. You can't do it alone. Lean on the Lord, the religious person exclaims. Meanwhile, Jungians warn of a projection trap that some traditional religious person seems to fall into. Jungians tend to say that these sanctimonious individuals in related religious organizations project their own dark impulses onto others instead of facing the evil within themselves. This ugly dynamic may result in scapegoating. Luckily, we have laws in the civilized world to protect people from this kind of primitive mentality. Jung's followers also tend to imply that the spirituality of organized religion only goes as deep as the persona, where individuals play a superficial role of holiness for the sake of appearances and to feel good about themselves. This dynamic might account for a Catholic nun's cruel treatment of children, or the horrifying outbreak of pedophile priests and brothers, or the Islamic caliphate that must permeate itself through the East, and the beheadings of all non-believers tolerated and preached by prominent sheikhs. The shadow is never faced by the religious man as a result of ignorance. It is falsely assumed by the religious man that the shadow within him is of a foreign entity, an external enemy ceaselessly attempting to pierce through the heart of the righteous and corrupt all good men. The man forgets that the devil itself is not an outsider, but is harbored deep within a dark fortress inside of his own subconscious. Ironically, according to Jung, we may all need to become the exorcists of our innermost demons. Jung says the shadow must be confronted. When repressed, the shadow lurks like an angry dragon locked up in a dungeon, if not sublimated, which simply means the transformation of unwanted impulses into something less harmful. The shadow's sheer power can break free of its chains, causing severe psychological and possibly physical injury. Young believed that awe-inspiring creativity was conceived once an individual had formed a union or bond with the shadow. The inventive artist who deals with dramatic or foreboding themes such as the Dutch painter Hieronymus Bosch creates works of art that provokes a profound feeling of reverence, terror, and bewilderment. Works of art like this are often critiqued by religious fundamentalists and, in the extreme scenario, tyrants like Adolf Hitler. The shadow gripped Hitler's personality, but he wasn't even dimly aware of its hold on him. His perverse impulses were all misinterpreted as righteousness and truth. In his mind, he was the grand chief of a supposed master race, and everything other was to be eradicated. Hitler mediated the power of the shadow with a disturbing charisma that swayed a great number of otherwise ordinary people into committing unspeakable atrocities. That is the power of an untamed shadow synergized with a zealous magnetism. Indeed, Hitler believed that art should be censored for the greater social good and drew up a hate list of so-called degenerate art. Entartete Kunst, created by artists whom he didn't like. Picasso's work was on his list, along with that of Gauguin, Van Gogh, Chagall, Klee, Kandinsky, and some other 20,000 other artworks. Ironically, this was the very same Hitler who brutally tortured and murdered innocent civilians and who apparently was a coprophiliac. An infantile condition where one becomes sexually aroused when defecated and urinated on. 
Truly the shadow's grasp on him was, for lack of better terms, eerily magnificent. shadow expresses itself is through parapraxis. Parapraxis are commonly known as Freudian slips of the pen and tongue, brought about by intrusions of an unconscious desire, conflict, or thought. It is like an error in speech or memory or physical action that is interpreted as occurring due to the interference of an unconscious, subdued wish or internal train of thought. Usually socially embarrassing, these slips can nevertheless point to aspects of the unconscious that require further exploration and expression. In confronting the shadow, Young isn't promoting being pretentious or arrogant. Instead, he encourages awareness and mastery over the powers of darkness. When we must deal with problems, we instinctively resist trying the way that leads through obscurity and darkness. We wish to hear only of unequivocal results and completely forget that these results can only be brought about when we have ventured into and emerged again from the darkness. But to penetrate the darkness, we must summon all the powers of enlightenment that consciousness can offer. However, as Jung alludes to in the above quote, confronting the shadow is extremely difficult, let alone harnessing its power. Most cannot and will not admit that deep down they are not wholly virtuous, selfless, and good human beings, but instead contain selfish, destructive, amoral, and immoral impulses and capacities. Most people would rather deceive themselves with a blind optimism about the goodness of their nature, and according to Young, will thus remain a fragmented individual, as it is only by becoming conscious of and integrating the shadow that one achieves wholeness. What is especially interesting is the idea that the shadow contains not just destructive and evil aspects of personality, but also harbors potent, creative, and powerful capabilities. The shadow, when it is realized, is the source of renewal. The new and productive impulses cannot come from established values of the ego. When there is an impasse and sterile time in our lives, despite an adequate ego development, we must look into the dark. He there too, unacceptable side which has been at our conscious disposal. This brings us to the fundamental fact that the shadow is the door to our individuality and so far as the shadow renders us our first view of the unconscious part of our personality, it represents the first stage toward meeting the self. There is in fact no access to the unconscious and to our own reality but through the shadow. Only when we realize the part of ourselves which we have not hitherto seen or prefer not to see, can we proceed to question and find the sources from which it feeds and the basis on which it rests. Welcome to the Alpha Male Buddhist from Brooklyn podcast. I'm your host, Miguel. I like to cover topics from ancient history, 
great leaders and generals from the past. And I also like to talk about self-realization, truth, critical thinking, and strategic spirituality. Outside the box, nonconformist. I'm here to shatter the myths of the mainstream media and the beta sheeple narrative. My email address is alphamalebuddhist at gmail.com. My website is alphamalebuddhist.podbean.com. My Instagram is alphamalebuddhist. And check out my YouTube channel, Alpha Male Buddhist, and that's on YouTube. It is the podcast accompanied with video clips that integrate exactly with the podcast, so it's motivational and inspirational. I also have promotional t-shirts. If you go to my website, alphamalebuddhist.podbead.com, you can see the promotional t-shirts there. Reach out to me. Also, if you have any show notes or any suggestions that you would like to hear on the podcast, just reach out and see if I can get that done. I've been getting some really great emails and feedback from my listeners, which is great. So I want to thank you for listening and namaste.